This is episode number five on the Follow Your Flow podcast. Now there are so many labels and diagnoses that we experience in regards to our health as women. And one of the most common, I am sure you will all agree, is PMS or PMT. Now we all know what that is. It's very common. It's used in our language all of the time. It's often joked about by both women and men. And even sometimes it's dismissed as being this elusive range of symptoms that can't be pinned down and that women are simply at the mercy of. You know, there's nothing that we can do about it. It's your lot in life because you're a woman. Well, Eleanor gives us some insight into her experience with what is known as a more severe form of PMS called PMDD and how she came out the other side of once thinking that she was a victim to her body and all that she was experiencing. So she really is a true testament to the fact that we are not at the mercy of our hormones, but rather our hormones are at the mercy of us. Or in other words, um, you could say that the way that we live has got a lot more to do with things than we sometimes care to think. So join me and let's head over to the episode now to hear more from Eleanor about how she found her way through PMDD. You're listening to Follow Your Flow, your podcast on all things women's health, menstruation and fertility. Your host, fertility awareness educator, women's health practitioner and lover of all things health and healing, brings her wealth of experience along with the real experiences of women and the expertise of health professionals. If you're looking for real and insightful conversations with real women, along with inspiring and lasting ways to improve your health, then you've come to the right place. Here's your host on Follow Your Flow, Sarah Harris. Today's episode on Follow Your Flow is an interview with Eleanor, who is from the UK, 41 years old. And a little while back, Eleanor had a women's reproductive health session with me and talked about her diagnosis of PMDD, which is premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And she talked about how she's experienced this in her life. Now, PMDD is not as widely known as, say, PMS, which I think they say about 90% of women experience, probably more, I would say. So I thought it would be great to have a conversation with Eleanor and have her join me on the show to share her experience and insights into PMDD and also how she's managed and worked with this through her reproductive life. So welcome, Eleanor. Hi. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, I wanted to see if you could give us a little bit of a backstory on how you experienced your cycle to get to a point where you actually investigated further that then gave you the diagnosis of PMDD. I had never really been comfortable with my periods. So if I go back to when I first got my period, when I was about, I think I was about 14, 15, um, I started having issues from the get-go. Um, I remember, I remember being at school and being really moody, and um, and I'd be pretty open with my friends. I'm like, I got PMT because it, it was it's something that was talked about a lot in my family because my mum suffered from it. So um, 
so it was something I was aware of and we talked about and it's like this it's this thing that women go through and I'm like yeah I got PMT and and so I'd be I'd be um suffering some kind of you know mood changes back then when I was a teenager and I suppose as I got older um other things started happening so I remember um I think I just started university and I remember having um some extreme very extreme cramps around my ovulation time and and that and then I and from that I went to the doctor and I went on the pill and I was on the pill for probably 10 years or so even while I was on the pill and through even though we um, I tried different kinds of pills I still had like strong PMT symptoms so as I got older they became quite apparent as being tired again quite moody possibly slightly depressed more anxious um I had uh insomnia sleeping issues I felt very clumsy very discoordinated and basically mental like I seriously felt like I was a bit of a mental case and so every as I went through that it was always like I can't wait to start bleeding because because that's when the symptoms would ease and so I think when I got into my 30s but I mean it's also like a backtrack and as part of all of this as I mean everything's connected is you know I I had quite a lot of anxiety in my life and as a teenager I was having panic attacks and so I was already at a very young age kind of looking for ways to support myself as you know life was pretty overwhelming for me and um you know so I was already interested in ways like massage or aromatherapy and those kind of things to try and to try and support all these physical symptoms but I was always kind of overwhelmed like I've got so many symptoms and I don't and there are so many alternative medicines out there I don't know which one to go for but I would like pick and choose and try different things so so going into my 30s I was really I just I think I mean I, there wasn't one exact point but it was definitely very apparent that as soon as I ovulated I, I I'd come off the pill by then and when I ovulated I would I'd be very bloated. I'd have physical symptoms. Um, my digestion would be off. And from that moment until bleeding, life was really difficult. Is how I could put it. It was like it's like okay, I got a couple of weeks until I bleed, and I got to ride this out. And so yeah, things just I I really felt as I was getting older, things were getting more extreme. And so I yeah, and it. <sighs> It basically, I was, I think I was getting to the point of, oh, that's it. I was trying all these other different things and, you know, I wasn't really like, I was functioning like on the surface functioning pretty well. Well, kind of pretty well. Like I didn't have like a full-time stressful job or anything. Cause I mean, at that point it, I felt it was like a lifestyle choice. But in retrospect, I don't think I could have handled it because I would I needed naps during the day and everything. And I just, yeah, I felt like my life had, was completely taken over by my hormones. So if I was lucky, I'd have a clear week where I felt relatively sane, normal. I felt lighter. I didn't feel so much pain and discomfort in my body. And like I didn't have all the hormonal symptoms. 
Um, so when I started really looking in depth into all these um, different symptoms, and it, it was literally me looking, scouring the internet, finding some advice and, you know, looking on all the different forums and everything. And then I came across this um, term called PMDD. And I felt that matched my situation much more so than PMT or PMS. Um, because from what, from what I understood from the description, you know, this prolonged itself. So again, two to three weeks, it could have been, um, especially if my period was, um, my period was late and, and a lot of, a lot of physical stuff, but a lot of emotional stuff at the same time. So feeling like you're going crazy and all of that. Um, so I went to the, I, I mean, I had been going to the doctor, you know, every so often to try and get support. And I remember going to this one doctor and I think I'd come across this and, and it was actually a new, I'd gone to a new surgery and um, she was really supportive and she'd actually heard of PMDD, which amazing. And I said, look, this is what I, I think I've got this as opposed to just PMS. And she's like fully agreed with me. And so, yeah. And I was like, okay, and what can we do? And she, she basically said, well, where you're at, because I, I had also just tried the marina coil, which I think, which has a bit of hormone in it. And that was an absolute nightmare. I hated that. And she said, well, where you're at, the only thing to, you could really go for is um, antidepressants. And many women take that and that can support them with all the emotional turmoil that go, they go through and it, it helps them sleep and everything. Um, I, at that moment, chose not to go with antidepressants. I was, I just thought there must be something else that I can do. And uh, yeah, so that was kind of how I came about it, really. It wasn't that I had a, an amazing GP who, who brought it to me. I brought it to them, and, but they, they tried to support me in what they could. But to be honest, there isn't really much support out there. Yeah, well, it's not, it's not a common known term. I mean, everyone knows what PMS is, but PMDD is not a common known term and yet it's it's incredibly debilitating for I think eight percent or three to eight percent of of women experience these symptoms and and it can often be misdiagnosed as something like bipolar because it's got those manic depressive symptoms and then women can sometimes end up on antipsychotic drugs and with potential long-term side effects but really the main indicator for PMDD is to see that the, the symptoms actually occur, like you said, as soon as ovulation happened, then, you know, you felt those symptoms kick in. So between um, ovulation to getting your period, there was that period of time. And that's the key sort of standout symptom of um, the difference between PMDD and something like bipolar and mental disorder. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Because also I would hear other women say, you know, oh, yeah, I get I get a bit of PMS and we talk about it and I'm like, wow, I'd love that kind of PMS, you know, if that's what it was. And yeah. And then you'd, you'd also, yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd have a lot of people just didn't really believe that the life could be taken up by hormones that much. And it's, um, it's actually not a hormonal imbalance. It's a severe reaction to the fluctuation of hormones, which I find really interesting. So mm-hmm. 
it's um it's a sensitivity to that 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 causes all of these symptoms but it's also very interesting that a lot of forums and things that i have read about pmdd and speaking to to some women who've experienced it is that a, lo- a lot of it can be rectified if that's the right word or you can support yourself hugely when it comes to lifestyle choices so did that work for you or did you sort of make changes in your life to support yourself and yeah what worked what didn't work yeah so I mean I could give you a long list of things like like acupuncture for example didn't work um it was usually in some state of desperation I'd I'd search the internet for some kind of magic pill so various supplements like um, evening primrose and I mean that was back in the early days and uh, um, I don't know start eating more this or that and it will support your hormones or um, so I would go for the kind of I wanted the pill to take it all away basically but I didn't want the chemical pill I wanted the natural pill let's say. So I tried lots of different supplements before I got onto any kind of lifestyle change. And because in the, also alongside of this, as I said, I had anxiety. I also had so like um, digestive issues, like kind of mild IBS stuff going on. But it, to be honest, it all felt like the same thing because it would, it would be exacerbated during the, um, the PMDT time. So I had played around with my diet quite a lot and um, I'd gone through diets of eliminating sugar and um, wheat and yeah sugar dairy fermented products alcohol and all of that and what I felt happened was like I'd go through a few months where I felt so much better and kind of detox a lot of stuff but I couldn't really sustain it so that happened on and off throughout my late late 20s 30s and I really, because when you're in that kind of situation of being so exhausted, you need the sugar and you need something to prop you up. And I, I wasn't drinking alcohol very frequently, but I basically, that kind of faded out of my life from, I think, my late 20s until I think it was about six or seven years, I completely stopped drinking alcohol. So that was, I mean, that was a change. And I with that um, fell away smoking. I only kind of smoked when I drank. My bedtimes, I was already quite, I'd say regimented a bit about my bedtime. So I was kind of in bed by 11 or so for quite a few years thinking, actually, and that did really support me. Um, That started to support me to to get more rest because previous to that, I'd be up until maybe one or whatever. And um, I did a lot of um, watching TV and actually, yeah, that was a massive thing. I was really addicted to TV. (laughs) And so that kind of fell away as well. And yeah, so I I suppose what happened is I, I had got to, so a lot of lifestyle changes had started happening, but I was still experiencing a lot of extreme symptoms and I had started like things had kind of settled a bit. And then I went back to university to do a diploma for teaching. 
and it all kind of ramped up again and I was like okay like something else needs to change um and I started so at that point I started having um esoteric healing sessions which I immediately felt an impact in that my anxiety started to ease so that I was able to sleep better and I feel being able to sleep better was I mean that is just the best medicine ever <laughs> like when you've had a lifetime of insomnia and suddenly you can sleep it was that's just amazing so so that kind of supported me to get more into a rhythm of sleeping and I'd even start going to bed earlier than that so maybe between nine and ten and just being aware of of how going to bed would support me in the next day and how that sleep would really support me in the next day. So I, I would say that was the biggest change that really started to get me out of this um, situation. Yeah, great. I love it on the podcast when people share their, their thing, you know, the things that have actually really supported them. And you talked about esoteric healing. So what was it about the esoteric healing that actually, um, what do you feel supported you to make those extra changes? Because you, you sort of made some changes initially because you yourself, you could feel that things needed to shift and, and it was to some degree, it was actually making a difference. But it sounds like when you, when you actually started to use this modality or experience this modality that that things started to settle in a little bit more and potentially even last a bit longer is that what happened yeah the way i can describe it is that the modality was giving my body space to reconfigure in a way i don't know if that makes sense but i you know i've as i said i've always been very anxious and i found life pretty overwhelming and even though I can, you know, been a functioning person and working and, you know, teaching, which is quite a full on job, I was just holding myself in so much anxiety and tension that I think it's only when you come out of that, you can feel that that, that it was such a bombardment on the body that no wonder it can't really function properly. So I found that through the, um, the healing sessions, it was like allowing my my body to have space to to heal because I'd come out of a session or even within the session and I'd be like, well, okay, something feels so different here and I feel so much lighter, like I'm, I'm walking differently. I remember my ex-partner at the time, he was like, when I came out of a session, he's like, he could notice the difference. He's like, you, you actually feel lighter, you you're walking differently and I'm like yeah it's it is amazing and and it's by by no means was I free from anxiety or leading suddenly leading a perfect life but I was able to start to to change to make the changes that would then support me to kind of go back to what I would feel within a session yeah so you had like a a marker in your body where you could feel yep this is this is what this feels like. This is like a, mm. a normal, if you like. And yeah. then, because like you said, you don't really know until you actually feel it. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. it's common, very common, I think, for, and uh, there is a scientific link between um, 
ask women who have experienced significant stress or even trauma and PMDD. So, you know, if you've had a life of, you know, high stress and high anxiety, then it's a common story, I think, for for women to experience this level of severe PMS. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then you, in your introduction that you sent me, I remember you talking about your love for the simple things in life. You love conversation. You love being with friends. You love being with people. You love connecting with people. You know, that's something that's really important to you and sort of keeps you alive, I guess, you know. So then having something like as debilitating as PMDD, I can sort of see how that would have really... um, taken away the the enrichment that you naturally love and want to bring to life absolutely and you know now as a teacher I I teach international students and I absolutely love it like even on the difficult days where I could get a bit stressed out or have my frustrations I just still love the interactions with these people from all over the world and even with my colleagues and I do thrive off, you know, connecting to people around me. And but when I was in the depths of PMDD and before that even, you know, I'd still love teaching, but it exhausted me, absolutely exhausted me. And then I would just have to retreat back home and have a nap because I was just burnt out. I'm like, right, that's it. And I, was, I didn't socialise so much because I'm like, well, I'm socializing during the day in my classes. And um, I could only really manage socializing with, with, with alcohol because that would kind of prop me up again. Yeah, it's it really interesting. I hadn't really considered that, that part of it. Yeah, great. So, so how do you um, experience your cycle today? So you're 41, you're a woman, I assume. Are you still, you're still cycling? Yeah. Yeah. So how does how do you experience it today and how different is it to what you experienced previously? Today is, is so, it's very, very different, but it, and it's a bit, I sometimes take it for, take it for granted how different it is. Um, I'm not at all free from symptoms. You know, I still get, uh, and I think this is more related to coming into perimenopause possibly, but I still get um, tender breasts. And, you know, the old sleepless night here and there. And I can feel, it's, it's not really, yeah, maybe a little bit, it's not so much that I'm moody, but I could be a little bit more reactive maybe leading up to the bleed. But it's like nothing. <laughs> it really is nothing in comparison to what I was doing, how I was before. And in the last um, three or four years, I've been working in London and I've been having like a, a managerial type position as well as a teacher position and doing the, the full on nine to five, if not longer, um, job of being in an office and teaching and managing people and also driving to and from work in rush hour, which is, you know, that would be an hour and a half of driving every day, an hour and a half to two hours. And, and being like, absolutely cool with it, like loving it. <laughs> and without perfection, 
because there, you know, there's obviously the days here and there where I would be a bit stressed out. But but the fact that I was able that I'm physically able to do that kind of job would I wouldn't have been able to done done that like six or seven years ago um, when I was in the throes of of PMTD, and that's just that's just amazing. And I don't, yeah, I, I don't feel like my life is absolutely governed by this cycle in the sense that I'm a victim of it. Yeah, it, it's like a very precious part of me in the sense of it allows me to know where my body's at. And because it's not so extreme now, it's, it's a good reflection that a lot has changed and that I have, I've had been able to come out of so many of so much of the anxiety and the overwhelm which is amazing around ovulation time it's yeah it's interesting because I used to dread ovulation because I'm like as soon as that comes it's like the, it's it's the crazy days <laughs> but there's none of that anymore and um I can I it's like I maintain a sense of self and a feeling of joy throughout my whole cycle, regardless of what else is what is happening in my body. So if the moods do come in, and which they do sometimes, you know, the, the reactions maybe, let's say, if they do, they do, they're much more superficial and I can clear them a lot quicker and they won't last so long. And also I have an understanding of what that is and maybe, you know, even use that to look at um, where I can deepen in my life. And I don't have, because also my periods were very painful, like crippling. And I, again, I do still have some period pain, but it's not as bad. And yeah, so it's, it's just, it, it's kind of normal in a sense, my cycle, I would say. But when I've come from such a kind of place of absolute disorder and disease and um, in terms of um, the PMDD, like to be where I'm at now is an absolute blessing and an absolute marker of where I am in all my, in all areas of my life. Yeah, so beautiful. And it feels like, you know, worlds away from how it used to be for you. And that feels like it's a testament to you actually building a relationship with yourself and understanding more about you know your cycle mm, yeah and you know what like <laughs> I mean I used to curse my body like I had such such a bad relationship with my body like I I was so angry at the fact that my body was so reactive to life I'm like why can't I just live my life drinking smoking partying and getting on with things and not have any of these symptoms like because from, from as I said from a very early age it would show me my sensitivity and that I can't live life like that and but now it's like if I if without these things happening in my body I wouldn't have made the lifestyle changes that have got me to a place where I have so much joy in my life and I don't need alcohol and I don't need the, you know, the cigarettes and the party, well, partying in the sense of, you know, nightclubs and pubs and all of that because I just do still like a party, let's face it. <laughs> and, um, but, like, I don't need all those other things to give me the joy. The joy is, like, just super there, like, apparent in my life. And, and so now it's like, 
I can totally see that my body and whilst, yes, it hasn't been the easiest journey, it's been an absolute blessing that has shown me in a very strong way and it continues to show me in a very strong way that that things need to change for there to be more harmony in my body and for me to to just to be able to live in a way that's um that's more honoring of of where it's at yeah what i love about you know everything that you're sharing is that is that you're you've approached this from the inside out we can so often go to all the things that are going to give us the fix and sometimes, you know, we do, we do need those things for some reprieve. But in terms of, you know, long-term solutions, uh, it doesn't really last. So what you're talking about and what you're sharing is, is actually you're talking about health coming from the inside. So you're healing, you're, the changes and all of this huge turnaround and transformation has happened because of you looking from the inside out rather than the outside in. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, as I said, it wasn't always like that because I, I used to totally have the, I suppose it's a bit like the arrogance of just wanting the pill to stop all the symptoms, which I mean, you can't, there's no, you can't really blame people for that because we've been brought up in a society where that's what you do. You get sick and you take a pill. And I mean, that's not everyone. I know that a lot of people do make a lot of different lifestyle choices to support themselves, but there is that kind of theme throughout your, you know, throughout society. And it is a real arrogance because in you, if you just continue to take the pill, yet live in a way that's disregarding to your body, then no true change can actually take place. But then when you actually listen to your body and make the changes from that, like the change, like the changes that take place are just beyond anything that a pill could ever do. Yeah, beautiful. That's awesome. So, if there was one bit of advice that you could give to a woman who might be listening now who may have PMDD, what advice would you give her? What would be the one thing that you would suggest she could do to support herself, just to take the first step? Um really to to get support because when you're when you're absolutely in within pmdd there's very little you can do on your own that's going to get you out of that so you know the esoteric modalities help me with sleeping and anxiety definitely being as open about what you're going through as well like like never to go through it alone because if you're going through such turmoil and the people around you are going to be impacted by that as well. So to communicating to them and talking to your, you know, your loved ones and the people of your family or whoever to get support from them, just to bring understanding to the whole situation. I think that is absolutely key as well. I think the, the one of the key things that you just said was actually about opening up to support and mm. I think that in itself is for all women something that we can all do better with because, you know, we particularly with PMDD or PMS or even without those, we often feel like we're actually going it alone and we're, we're in this on our own and we've got to sort it out on our own. And I think 
just reaching out for support and then being open to that and trusting that the true support will actually be there um, when it's needed. So it's it's really great what you've just offered. Thank you. Yeah. And also to, it, you know, these, as, as I was saying, these things are, are not happening. There's no coincidence or no accident that those things are happening in our bodies where, you know, I'm always a very strong believer that when we have any kind of symptom, it's for us to learn from and for us to to respect that symptom and to listen to what it's telling us so that we can adjust the way that we live or how we go about life to then support our body. And when we allow our body to lead in that way, then miracles can can happen. Yeah, great. So, so really just having a relationship with our body where we're actually bringing understanding to or listening to the communication that is constantly being provided. Yeah, that like that as well as the being open to support feels like a great first step for anyone who is experiencing something like PMDD and also not to forget that it is very important too to to make sure you're getting medical support and if there are medical practitioners who may be brushing it off or making um, or not listening to what you're actually talking about it's really important that you know you do find someone or you do find a medical professional who is supportive and listens and brings um, understanding to what you might be going through. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah, because the worst thing, if, if, when, if you're dismissed by, by the doctor, then you can think yourself even more crazy. But I would, also, I would also say to never give your power away over to the doctor. So uh, doctors are absolutely amazing. I, you know, I... I I have no issue with them at all. But when I go to a doctor, I I go with as much information as I can as possible and will not just follow what they say blindly and question anything that is offered to me. And then you can, it's like building, having a relationship with the doctor where you're working together as opposed to just following their advice, if that makes sense. Yeah, completely. Makes a lot of sense and exactly how it needs to be. I mean, we're the experts of our own body. No one no one is as much of an expert on our body as we are. Absolutely. So we might actually wrap it up there, Eleanor. That that's been amazing. Thank you very much for sharing all of your experience with PMDD and how that is for you now. And I will actually share in the show notes for any of the listeners who would like to know a little bit more about esoteric healing so that they can link themselves up to that if they would like to. And yeah, thanks so much, Eleanor. It's been great. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. You're listening to Follow Your Flow podcast with Sarah Harris. Subscribe on iTunes, follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter and get in touch. All details on www.followyourflow.com.au slash podcast.